Welcome to Episode 3 of the Torchtail Radio Show, brought to you by Mountain Fire Media, LLC. Twenty pounds on the shovel head, one hundred times a day. Move a ton of earth, mine for gold, the only way to get paid. Twenty pounds on the shovel head, one hundred times a day. Only strong backs find the gold in average man's wage. Twenty pounds on the shovel head, one hundred times a day. Work for the man, hand over the gold, fair wage, so they say. Twenty pounds on the shovel head, one hundred times a day. I can't keep my family fed, my cloth of gold, I'm digging my own grave. Twenty pounds on the shovel head, one hundred times a day. We made a hole, there's no more gold, sad shame, they left us anyway Torchtail Radio Show thanks for listening like most opportunists in this material world i become attached to things i've had for a while even if I haven't used them. I find myself becoming reluctant to throw something away, even if I haven't used it for years. Sometimes there's no real justification for the attachment other than the desire to possess a particular thing, but usually I am most fond of something I acquired from someone else, or in some unique way. A real prize gifted or earned becomes a trophy to commemorate even a trivial moment in my personal history, and somehow makes it more valuable. I think we all do this at some level. I once had this TV that I carried with me across four states as I moved around the country. The last ten or fifteen years I had it, it spent most of its time on a shelf in a corner, with some vague intention of integrating it into a larger display setup somehow. I loved that TV. It was a Sony, built in the mid-late 70s, 
color, with a small box frame designed specifically so you could watch TV in the kitchen while you were preparing breakfast or sitting down to a light lunch while the family was off doing other things. Built-in antenna, too, so all you had to do was plug it in and turn the dial until you found a station. It could even pull in UHF channels, which meant more than the usual network fare. You could also get PBS and public access channels. They might have been a little fuzzy because of the weaker signal, but with the antennas you could usually make out the faces and hear what they had to say. And the picture quality on a strong signal was better than most of the larger living room size models from those lesser brands. Sony TVs were top of the line. My grandmother had it in her kitchen for years, until the time came when she was too old to care for herself and had to go waste away in one of those private care facilities. I hope that before I am too old and feeble, I will be able to shoot myself before resigning myself to such a fate. Sure, she was well looked after and had professional treatment to her last breath, but she literally wasted away between sporadic family visits, and with all my traveling around, I didn't get to see her for months until I saw her go into her grave. So, at some point after she was handed off to professionals, the family did what families do, and I wound up with Graham's Kitchen TV. I was glad to have it, too. I would always look at that TV and remember her in her morning frock, slippers shuffling across the linoleum floor as she made her coffee or eggs and toast or whatever. There are very few places that provide such a deep sense of comfort and security than a grandmother's warm kitchen. It is love manifested in physical form, and exists for only the briefest moments in time and space. It is a space every family hopes to create for their children and grandchildren, and within a few of these moments, this TV had been along for the ride. For a while there, it was integrated into a dual computer monitor setup I had in more ambitious days. Eventually, once life responded with general disinterest to my proposals, Graham's TV went on the shelf, with a promise to be useful again one day. How many times in our lives do we tell that lie to people as well as things we love? I need you in my life, just over here on this shelf, out of the way for a while. I'll come back to you, I promise. How did our pursuit of material things allow us to accept the dehumanization of human existence as a matter of course? More perversely, how could I come to feel almost as much loss for this TV as I did for my long-dead Graham? All things have their lifespan, yeah? So even this TV eventually, upon examination, became incompatible with most contemporary tech, still adaptable but no longer so convenient to use, and even its own mechanics were failing with age. In truth, as I stood around what living space I had, it was clear that Graham's TV, for all the loving sentiment I had for it, was no longer going to be a part of anything in my life. It was time to let it go, and make room for other things. It was the season of clearing and cleaning, reevaluating and rearranging. My life was due for an upgrade, but my budget dictated a rollicking weekend with cleaning supplies and trash bins, dining on the finest pizza close enough to run and get myself. Many things went into the dumpster that day, including Graham's TV. I had such an odd feeling of finality and regret when I did it. I really don't have anything to remember her by anymore, other than my memories of her and this TV. Here's the worst of it for me. I had actually been selfish right up to the final toss into the dumpster. 
I mean, I cut the power cord on the TV before I threw it in there, thinking that I wanted it to go right to the dumpster to be crushed and recycled and made into something else. I didn't want some scavenger to dig it from this garbage coffin and try to resurrect it in their meth van or something. When I tossed it in there, I heard a crunch that gave me some satisfaction that Graham's TV was in fact as dead as she was, and there was no coming back for anybody. So imagine my surprise when, the very next day on my way to wherever, I passed by the dumpster to see one of these possibly homeless scavengers with a shopping cart passing his modified broom handle through the bin like some chef stirring soup in a huge cauldron. And the bastard has Graham's TV on his cart! I literally hitched a step in my stride as a flurry of potential responses flashed through my head. Fury! Outrage! The audacity of this scavenger to touch something I threw away. Oh, yes, I did throw it away, didn't I? I knew this might happen, damn it, and here I am to witness my worst possible conclusion come to fruition. Fuck! What was I thinking? Oh, well, that's what you get. At least this scavenger seems to know how to fix it or recycle it or whatever he's going to do with it. Better to keep walking, get in your vehicle, and get on your way. Say your last goodbyes. Graham's TV is going to get gutted and sold for parts on the black market. Nice job. Rest in pieces, you poor bastard. You were loved once. Sorry, Graham. So then, just a couple of weeks later, I'm at work and I notice that there are some changes happening, including some offices getting new furniture, etc., Amongst the things going to the dumpster is a fine desk chair that looks brand new. I mean, brand spanking new. Someone might have ordered it, decided they didn't like it, and ordered another one, and then this poor thing just got forgotten and discarded without ever getting the chance to fulfill its potential. Tragic, I tell you. And oddly perfect timing. The desk chair I had at home had a tear on the seat, and that was only getting wider, and now the foam underneath was starting to fall off in little pieces here and there, so I knew it was time to get creative or get a replacement. That tear had been there when I first got the chair. Interesting story. This chair was also a rescue from another larger company upgrading its furniture and tossing all sorts of useful stuff. One night I was walking home from my job, which included crossing the parking lot of this other company, and they had their dumpsters situated in the middle of their parking lot for some reason. I ran into one of the executive assistants working late to clean up her boss's junk, which gave me the perfect moment to ask if I could take some of this stuff for myself. I had just moved into my new apartment space and could use some things. Like this chair, that was perfectly fine aside from the small tear in the seat. Once she realized I was serious and not a threat of some sort, she told me I could take whatever I wanted. I got a nice filing cabinet and wheeled it home on top of this executive desk chair. That was almost five years ago now. I still have the filing cabinet. So here I was, another company, another dumpster, another chair, and in the season of clearing and cleaning, it was obviously a sign that it was time to replace my desk chair. And I did. It was pretty easy, but I did have that same pang of sentimentality, of giving up something familiar, even though I was replacing it with something nearly brand spanking new with no tears whatsoever. I should be kicking my heels up. But it did give me nearly five years of good service, no breaks, no sudden spills, just that issue with the tear. 
So I was hoping that, as I escorted it to its temporary place next to the dumpster, someone would find it and take it in, that someone would recognize it still had a few good years at least. It just needed a cover or a little patch over the tear, and it would serve anybody just fine. It was out there for days. Days. No one wanted it. I felt terrible for my lonely, unwanted, discarded executive desk chair. Could that tear really be so terrible? I took it in. Were my standards that low? Maybe I should take it back. Then again, it has been out in the elements for days. Who knows what is sat on it, burrowed into it, or planted something in it. No, I made a decision. I had to be strong and let it go. The new chair is better in every respect anyway, and they don't even match. Aesthetically alone, the feng shui would be thrown out of whack. It was too late. It was time to let someone else love that chair. And the next morning, I'm up early, on my way to wherever, and as I pass by the dumpster, I notice a beat-up minivan with a tired Latina who looks about thirty years older than she should, and just as those flashes of images are registering in my consciousness, I get another flash of motion from my peripheral. It's violent and immediately takes my attention, and as I look over, I see my chair knocked over on its side and another one of these scavengers carving the foam cushions off it like he's gutting an animal. He's got a thick-bladed knife that must be sharp because he's making short work of whatever's left of those cushions. I'm not threatened by the scavenger with his knife. He's focused on the task and doesn't give a shit about me. He's angling the knife and taking long strips of foam from where it's still glued and screwed into the frame. It's like he's peeling flesh from bone, making the cleanest skeleton he can. And just as this primal association wells up in my brain, I pass the back of the minivan and notice that he has probably six or eight of these stripped-down chair frames tied to the rooftop. They're all upturned or lopsided, only reinforcing the image of a hunter with his trophy kills strapped to his carriage. I get a glimpse inside at what must be different piles of junk intended for some purpose, and the Latina, who may well be his wife, in the passenger seat, watching her husband prepare the prize that will ultimately bring food to their meager shelter. I take one last glance over to the man as he tosses a strip of cushion into the dumpster and selects another edge to sink his knife into. I think of a deer, its head twisted back, lifeless eyes, tongue hanging out, half of its carcass ripped open as beasts maul and shredded into unrecognizable bits of blood and sinew. This is just a chair. The bits of that cushion won't feed any animals. It's just trash. But this man finds value in its frame. The bones mean something to him. He can do something with them. So, in a way, there is still some purpose being fulfilled here. The chair served some fat-ass executive who tore it and tossed it like a summer fling. I took it and gave it nearly five years, and we had a good thing going until things started to get messy and I found a newer, nearly pristine reason to replace it. I did wish it well. I had high hopes for it. But at the last it ran afoul of those scavengers who butchered it and ran off with its bones, just like they ran off with the bits from Graham's TV. Sad, in a way. But then again, there's a certain satisfaction in knowing some things are inevitable. The circle of life exists in all things, I suppose, and that includes me. Will I go the way of my grandmother? 
the way of these discarded pieces of furniture? Or will I decide that my circle has run its course and write my own ending to my own final chapter? I'm sure I won't know until it actually happens. Until then, Hakuna Matata, right? <laughs> Do you have a song or story you would like to hear on the Torch Tale radio show? If you have an original song or a story that's eight minutes or less, visit torchtale.com to find our submission form. If we'd like to put it on the show, we'll be in touch with exactly how to get that done. All materials, whether song or story, must be owned by the individual submitting them. Thank you for taking the time to share your work. Thanks for listening. 20 Pounds on the Shovelhead, written and performed by Brad Havens. All other music provided by Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. You've been listening to the Torchtail Radio Show, copyright January 2021. Wishing everyone a safe and prosperous new year and many more. This has been a Mountain Fire Media LLC production.